If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today with me, I have Susie Carter. So let me tell you a little bit about Susie. And she doesn't know this, but I first saw her in the Women's Wisdom Club. Did you know that? I did not know that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I know Judy and I'm a part of her clubhouse team. So yeah, I do a women's wisdom circle there with her. That is awesome. Yeah. So profit coach Susie Carter is a truly self-made millionaire. She founded and sold three profitable companies, the last of which sold for eight figures. Susie soon became passionate about helping other business owners achieve what came naturally to her, growth and sustainability. As she led businesses to success, the true test of her talents came unexpectedly. A serious car accident threatened Susie's life and instantly took away from her business. As she took time off for surgery, something incredible happened behind the scenes. Not only did her business stay afloat, it expanded. She is the author of 10 books, including her latest, hopefully I got that right, 10 books? Yeah. 10? Okay. Power Your Profit. Welcome, Susie. Thank you. It's like when you read it, it's like, oh, yeah, it did happen. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Are you yeah. so in the moment? You're like, oh, that was like, so not me. <laughs> right. It was a really great experience, though. You learned that you set your business up to win, which I did. I just said never put it to the test. And then the universe said, let's put this to the test. Beautiful. <laughs> so the business grew 30% that year. I took a year off uh, to have surgery and recoup. And you know, I was trying to do that and work simultaneously, which did not work. No. So the business grew 30%. And I was like, okay, I have a real business. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true testament of letting go. And, and it's like you set everything up. And so you truly could let go. I mean, maybe it was hard at first, right? Oh, it was hard in general, right? I realized... You know, I'm like, well, no one can do it like me. And then they did it better than me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it was a little bit of an ego shock. I'm not even gonna lie, right? Because you're like, they woes me. They can't do it without me. No, they could. And they did really well. So oh. my smallness was like, what happened? But my bigness was like, oh my gosh, thank God. So I think it's, you know, I've always surrounded myself with mentors and leaders that were playing bigger than me so that I wouldn't let my ego or she go get in the way of the result I was trying to create and see the result that we're creating. Yeah. And I love that, that term she go, did you come up with that? No, I think that was gleaned from some, somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> okay. Of it, but it's, you know, I think we resonate with it as women to go my ego, she go of letting go. It's a little softer. I think <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's wonderful. Well, tell me about yourself and where you grew up. So I am a native Californian. I grew up in San Diego area and 
you know, I just moved this last December. I'm oh my gosh. What part of San Diego, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so I lived in Carlsbad Vista Oceanside area, but I grew up in Imperial Beach, which is right by the border, a little border town child, mm -hmm. uh, always on the beach, always by water. And my vocation, you know, I grew up with five, nine brothers and sisters, right? Bobby, Ronnie, Stevie, Terry, Jonah, Shelley, Susie, Kelly, Dad. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask and you did it fast. <laughs> because when you got yelled at they they went through all the names right because you can't keep them all straight <laughs> and so we grew up there we had 1200 square feet right i don't know where we all slept we had one bathroom six girls who knows how we did it i, I just think back and when i go over there the house seems so tiny right when i yeah. look at three bedrooms well the the master bedroom was the garage converted so it wasn't really a bedroom <laughs> and my dad converted it so it wasn't insulated <laughs> but you know you're in California so it doesn't get wintry yeah did you I'm just imagining the the six girls like in the bathroom like getting ready like stacked on top of each other you know <laughs> whatever you, you had to do shower, then you take your stuff out and go get ready in your room right there was this rotating door and we had rotating schedule like we were so scheduled like looking back now like the boys had a day the girls had a day you you had to do it before this time or you didn't get a shower Right. So they re we really staggered it so everyone could get ready without being on top of each other. Again, I, I look back now, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> Not, where did we all sleep? We had four, four girls in one bedroom, you know, double bunk beds. And it was like, and it was a tiny house. The house was 1200 square feet. So if you think about that, I remember going to my aunt's house the first time she had two whole bathrooms, two whole bathrooms. It's so luxurious. So luxurious, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine. I bet it made you appreciate taking showers. I, you know what I really appreciate was underwear, my own underwear. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything is a hand-me-down. <laughs> I say everything. Oh, even underwear. Even underwear. So what I really appreciate is a budget to just buy underwear. I think it was in my 30s and I'm like, what is my fascination with underwear? I do not need any more. I would go to Victoria's Secret or La Perla, oh. right? And just buy underwear, whether I needed it or not. I'm like, what is my deal? And then, I, you know, I thought back to the first little job I had. Um, I did, was doing, I did some yard work and I went to the store and bought my own underwear and hid them in my pillowcase. Cause I did not want anybody wearing my underwear, stealing my underwear, saying it was their underwear. Like I coveted those underwear. Oh yeah. And how old were you when you had that first job? It was doing lawn work. We did lawn work. We cleaned houses. We babysat. So I've been working since I was 10 years old. Right. Oh, my wow. Dad, That's amazing. My dad said, if you want to make money, go get a job. Okay. So I did everything <laughs> imaginable. Any job a kid could do. And back then, like, my aunt and uncle uh, had a restaurant, so we would bust tables and get the tips, um, you know, so we've, uh, we've always had this really strong work ethic because it was like, we don't have, my parents didn't have money to give us, mm -hmm. right? We bought school clothes once a year and we went to either the Goodwill or yard sales to buy those school clothes. So that was my, my drive to succeed was I need to have my own money so I can get the things that I want. I didn't expect my parents to. I didn't even know parents actually bought people things, right? <laughs> As I got older, my girlfriends were like, my parents cut me off. I'm like, what do you mean they cut you off? You know, they're not paying for my rent or my car. I'm like, they paid for your rent and car? Like, wow. 
Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I was pretty spoiled as a child now looking back compared to your (laughs) childhood, but, but it's like when I went to college, you know, it was, they didn't pay like for things like that. But then if I lost my wallet, like at a bar or something, then they, you know, they'd give me a little money here and there, you know? So But anyways, I, but I just wanted to say, I grew up in Alaska part-time and my dad lived in San Diego and my grandmother lived in Carlsbad. So I'm really oh, okay. familiar with North County and he loved Mexico. And I used to go to Mexico for spring break. So I'm used to the border towns, like all of that really comfortable in that area. So, so where did you move to now? So now I moved to Oregon. So we've had this summer, this vacation home for the last three years and my man started spending more and more time up here because we bought this house. I'm rehabbing, rehabbing the house and he wouldn't come home. I'm like, you're not coming home. <laughs> oh, he just loved it there so much. Oh, he in loved Oregon. it. And we're re- he was rehabbing this house. So, you know, one time he was here for six months and I'm like, <gasps> so are you coming home or not coming home? He's like, I'm coming home. I'm coming. I'm coming. So we finally made the decision. Okay, well, I'll move. I'll see how that works. So sold our house in San Diego. Oh my gosh! Uh, up here, so we're, now I'm an Oregonian, which is a, I'm in a culture shock. I'm not. Gonna yes, lie. I understand. That's beautiful. We live right on the river, um, so my backyard is Wild Animal Planet. We've got a boat dock, so we can just go take the boat out, take the kayaks out, go for a hike. I'm truly in the wilderness. It's actually pretty amazing. I didn't that's know. amazing. I did not that's know. amazing. Do you feel like that's your private oasis or do you feel like you might have retreats there someday? Um, I don't think here the house isn't big enough, right? Okay. In, you know, this particular location, I think um, it's a little rural for people. Like there's not like a really nice hotel that we could do something at. It's small. Like the oh. town I'm in is 900 people. And then the bigger town, I think is 30,000 people, okay. which is only 20 minutes away. Um, but it still doesn't have like, I'm in culture shock cause it doesn't have all my things, right? Like, oh. <laughs> my holistic practitioner, my integrative medicine, my, de- I don't know. I haven't found a dentist yet and a doctor yet. Like all those people oh, that my God. it takes to maintain this. <laughs> yes. It I takes believe a lot. It. I, I don't have the people yet lined up. Oh, but that's exciting. What an adventure. I went to school at Southern Oregon state college, which is in Ashland and, yes. you know, always, went to the coast, Cannon Beach, Eugene, my boyfriend went to U of O. So Oregon is like my second home too. It's amazing. It is crazy beautiful. I don't think I've been, I didn't know, like, I mean, we came up here during the summer Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't work because at the time they didn't have the internet out here. (laughs) This this is what rural I'm a girl. I've went through five different internet service providers to finally get the one that I have that works so that we can have this conversation. (laughs) Oh, yay. I feel so (laughs) lucky and blessed. Oh my gosh. Okay. I want to hear about your journey that I'm sure you've told so many times. Did you, you started off as a hairdresser or owning a salon? Nope. Started as a hairdresser. Uh um, I found myself at an early age divorced with two little kids. And Um, how old were you? My picker was off, so he was not a good man. (laughs) So (laughs) no child support, no alimony. I was 25. Okay. I got divorced. My babies were uh, 18 months and six months old. Oh my gosh. Little angels. (laughs) Uh, so I had to, I had to really get this business thing down, right? Cause that industry is commission only. So there was no paycheck. If you didn't produce, you didn't get paid. 
So I had to figure it out quickly. So in the evenings, I would go to the bookstore because we didn't have the internet back then. I'm seasoned, y'all. If you're just listening to this. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'd go to bookstores and get, you know, look at marketing and how do you do a referral yep. program and, you know, how do you get clients quickly and what kind of promotions can you do? I would just have books all over the floor, you know, in the bookstore to figure out which ones I could buy you know, to be able to implement these promotions that I wanted to do. So very quickly, I, my first um, marketing strategy was all about referral systems. And so I started with referrals and I quickly built that, my hairdressing business to a quarter of a million dollars. The wow, that's impressive. It's very impressive. I didn't know then how impressive it is even today. Oh, even today, yeah, totally. Of what we created, what I created. Um, and but were you working your butt off? I was working my butt off, but I was working really smart. So oh, I was good. working three and a half days a week. And then I started working with Paul Mitchell two to three days a week. And so those schedules were flexible. So I could pick up my kids. I had my kids one week and their dad had them the other week. And in that time, Paul Mitchell said, how are you making so much money as a hairdresser? I'm like, Oh, I'll show you. Right. So I showed them my promotions, talked about what I did. And they're like, well, you teach our students how to do this. I'm like, sure. You know, I'll, I'll teach. I did not know how to speak. I didn't know anything about the business side. I just wanted to help my community. I'm like, let me help you. But nobody was teaching at that point. Nobody was teaching the business side. Everybody was teaching technical. Mm -hmm. Technical is mm -hmm. important, but whatever vocation you're in, it's about 15% of your financial success. Mm. The other 85% is sales, marketing, operations, and finance, which most entrepreneurs don't learn that side. You've got to come to the, you know, come to Jesus meeting and realize, uh oh, if I don't make money, I have no, I can pay my bills. <laughs> yeah. So I started teaching for Paul Mitchell and then people would go, oh, Susie, do you have a book? I'm like, no, I don't have a book. I just wanted to share the good news, so to speak. Yeah. And then yeah. I wrote a book. And, for my and did you talk with the founder of Paul Mitchell or were you talking with the salespeople? Okay. No, no, no. I worked for Paul Mitchell. So I was a sales rep for them and then did education with them. Okay. So the, each, each distributorship, right? We were in the San Diego distributorship. That was Gene Bra, that was Paul Mitchell and John Paul DeJoria. So Paul Mitchell is a real person. He founded it with John Paul DeJoria. And so mm -hmm. we would do cluster classes in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then we started going nationally because people, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. And then I had to figure out how to make it a business. Again, we didn't have people like me to go, oh, here's how you build, you know, a speaking business. Here's how you build a training company. Here's how you build mm -hmm. a spiritual business. There wasn't people that we knew of because they weren't readily accessible. And so I opened a salon and spa. That was kind of the next journey of people said, oh, you don't get it because you're not an owner. I'm fine. I will open a salon and spa. So we became the top 1% in the nation, top 10% in the world by the dollars that we produced, right? So we did a million dollars with six people. The average salon and spa had to have 30 people to do a million dollars. But I knew I didn't like managing people. I just wanted to teach people how to be efficient. Mm -hmm. right? Now, and when you say like a spa, is that like hot tub? Like, what does that mean? Like massage? What were you offering? Yeah, so we had a salon and spa. So we had a treatment room. We had one treatment room, right? We okay. had six stations, one treatment room. So we did massage, facials. Um, that was the, in the treatment room. We didn't do any nails. We just did hair and skin, mm. uh, which was perfect for us in our community. Yeah. And we built that business up. And, you know, then everything I was doing in that business, I just started teaching the people we were training. 
Mm. And then people are like, oh, do you do you have that? Can I buy that? I'm like, no, I don't have this, but you want to buy this? How much would you pay for this? This was my this was my pricing strategy. How much will you pay for this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they would give me the number and I would sell twenty, thirty thousand dollars and come home and go, I just I just sold this. And my partner was like, We don't have this. I'm like, we do now. <laughs> That's entrepreneurship, right? That's amazing. So when you say we sold this, do you mean like the franchise? Like you made it a franchise or what? No, we had a training and development company. So it was myself and we had six other trainers that worked for us um, that were doing the same thing I was doing. I created a systematic process of how do you train people, deliver it, you know, everything. I set it up to be as if you were running a franchise because I learned early on in business that if you want, you have to make your business duplicatable. And that was the fastest way to train people is do this, you get this, do this, get this. So everything was systematic. That's how we were able to sell that company for millions because it was a system, not just a great trainer. Yeah. I started speaking at this millionaires conference uh, because I was, I was learning how to raise money because we were starting this online membership site in 1999, right? Because I knew the industry needed the information that I had and they needed it at demand. Travel around the world and go, I don't even know if they did anything with it. Like, you don't know. And so we created the largest online membership site in 1999. Our first website was a half a million dollars. Bananas. Half a million dollars. Because there was no WordPress. There was no Infusionsoft. There was no ClickFunnels, right? It was, you had to custom build it for everything that you did. So we custom built this membership site. So we ra- we raised money. We raised about 1.1 million of um, private money to launch this other business. And in that seminar, they were teaching people how to raise money, but they weren't teaching them how to build a business. And so uh-huh. I went to the founder and I said, "We really have to teach people what does it take to build a business because they're raising money, but they have no infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So you got to teach them that." And they're like, "Great, you teach that." I'm like. I don't know anything about these people's businesses. I, I was so scared. I'm like, ah, all I know is the salon and spa world. Like, he's like, you'll be fine. You're great. <laughs> okay. I'm glad he saw something in me. He trusted you. Yeah. Well, I think we were, you know, our business was a million dollar business. We raised a million dollars. Like we were doing the work, right? It wasn't fly by night. We weren't, you know, just scamming people. We were doing the work, mm-hmm. implementing everything that we learned. And so I just started teaching that. And then people like yourself would come up to me and go, can you coach me? I'm like, I don't don't do that. (laughs) They're like, it's okay. We love you. We see what you've done for these other people. We want you to help us. I'm like, "Mm -mm." so again, I think the universe, right? I'll call God, you call the universe, whatever your higher power is, puts things in your lap for you to take that opportunity. Right. And sometimes our fear, which did for me for a couple of years, I was just scared, like, nope, too busy. Nope. Can't do it. Nope. I'm running this company. I got two companies I'm running plus children. Nope. 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 And finally, here was again, my, my, my financial strategy. I'm like, I'll just double the price and then they won't want to pay that. And then they'll just go away. So no, they paid it. Right. So now I had to figure out how to run this business. Right. The first business I started coaching it was a hardware store and in the middle of the hardware store it was a jewelry store because the mom didn't want to sell hammers she wanted to sell jewelry because she knew frank's had an anniversary and he wasn't going to get her wife something good so she high-end jewelry she sold right in the middle so the jewelry (laughs) store did five million and the hardware store did a million 
And so when I started coaching them, they're like, we think we want to take the jewelry store out and put it in another location. And I'm like, don't you dare. These men do not want to go in a jewelry store. They like this environment because they're in their yeah. overalls. They don't have to dress up. They don't have to be pretentious. And then grandma's right there going, I know Irene, and here's what she wants, and this is what you need to get her. So it was just, you know, that was the first business I coached outside of the industry. That was a doozy, but it was amazing. And that's when I realized business is business is business, right? Uh, there's certain cost of goods. There's certain profit margins. You know, do the research. You can find out what those are. Now do the research. You can Google it. But before, go to the bookstore. Right? Go do that due diligence. Talk to your accountants. But that's how I got into entrepreneurship. And then when I sold my training and development company in the beauty industry, I had a non-compete in that industry. So I had to go into the entrepreneurship space. Right, which was like, oh, here's this whole other world of opportunity that I've been playing in, you know. Yeah. After, after I quit saying no, because <laughs> I was scared. I think that's what, you know, if you get anything is feel the fear and do it anyway. To mm. go, what, what will I learn in this? How will I grow? I didn't do it all right, mm -hmm. you know, back then. I, a lot of it as entrepreneurship is, you make it up and figure it out along the way. Um, I had run at that point, three very successful businesses and uh, profitable businesses. So I just implemented the same systems, you know, same, same, but different. Mm, that's amazing. And how did you meet Lisa Nichols? And did you work together right away? No. So we met at that same millionaires forum. Oh. And so there were a, a faculty of about 30. We were, uh, only, the only two women, there would be other women that would come occasionally and teach, but we were the only uh, consistent women faculty. So we were like two unicorns in the night. We'd see each other, right? We're like, oh, hello. But we were so busy in this event. Oh, hi, I want to speak to you. Hi, hi. Um, so we really became friends first. Yeah. And then that's we, really bonding too, to be the only women there. The only women, right? And she was the only woman of color, right? She's an African-American woman. And I was just enamored with, you know, she is an amazing speaker and orator. Oh, yeah. And my, I was going through this process with my children. My children are African-American. And my children were going through this um, identity crisis, if you will. They wanted to be white. And I'm like, Interesting. You can't be white, right? I, they were like, we want to look like you. And I'm like, mm. I started looking at my community and my community was in their school was predominantly white, right? In our neighborhood, predominantly white. Our church, predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they're not seeing themselves. So mm -hmm. I started making this conscious effort to go, where can I find people of color, right? All races. We, uh, they were in a Christian school. There was no faculty of color, right? I think there was like two Asian kids and then one other African-American child, and I'm like, holy cow, I, they don't see themselves, right? And, and back then, you know, in the 80s, you look at television, there's, there's no model of African-Americans on television, mm -hmm. right? So I started seeking. And so Lisa, that was the first conversation we had because she was on stage talking about her full lips, her round hips, you know, her mocha skin. And I'm like, that's what I need my children to see. Oh. That's amazing. What a deep reason, like from your heart to connect with her. Oh, just to save my babies. Right. So yeah, I, said, I came up to her and we, you know, we'd been talking to each other, seeing each other. And I said, listen, I would, I would love, love, love for my children to meet you and, you know, to really see what a powerful woman you are. And I'm bawling. And Aww. she's like, 
well, okay. Like she didn't know my kids were black, right? And so she goes, okay. I'm like, they really need to see a woman just like you so they can see themselves. And she's like, okay. (laughs) But you didn't talk to her yet. Let me back up a little bit. So my children are black and I really want them to see themselves. And I can be a lot of things, but I can't be a powerful black woman. I can't. And so we, we just created that love bond from that moment on. And so from that relationship, you know, I created this community of women and men that were multicultural and mm. women that love themselves of all shapes, colors, sizes. Cause I just wanted my children to grow up in a world where you can be whoever you want to be and to see models in different arenas and, you know, from doctors to hairdressers to, you know, practitioners to spiritual leaders to what do you want to be? How can we help you? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that, that started. And then she started asking me about my business and then I, you know, she came in toward my office and we had a big training center. We had about 3000 square foot in a training center. We had 20,000 square foot in a building. And she was like, Oh my God, can I have this? I'm like, absolutely. So I started coaching her in her business. And so for 20 years worked with her, And then I took over her business in 2009 or 10 and became the president and CEO of that organization and grew that company from a million to 10 million. And, you know, just completed that relationship about three years ago and and launched this brand um, to go to that next level. Wow. That's so exciting. So you had, you just lived in the same community. So it was easy to get together with Lisa. She lived in LA. I lived in San Diego. Oh, okay. We didn't live directly in the community. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Working with her uh, years before. So we opened an office uh, in San Diego. She was always on the road. So she, she didn't really have a home base. Okay. So I built the team at home. So we all came to the office and whenever she was in town, she would come to the office. Um, and now she is, uh, lives in the British Virgin Islands. She just got married, you know, oh my gosh, in her life, which is very exciting. That is exciting. Okay. So tell me about your latest book, power, your profit. What inspired you to write it? Mm. So this book, so all my other books are in the beauty industry. So I, I have programs in the entrepreneurial space. And again, people are like, well, do you have a book? Do you have a book? I'm like, not <laughs> industry. So, and I already know what it takes to write a book, publish a book. And so I knew that all my other books were published under my own publishing company. I had Carter Creative Enterprises and I knew I wanted a big publisher. And so for that credibility factor. So Simon & Schuster is my publisher. And it's my journey from building a business, from bootstrapping to building, you know, selling it for $10 million. And what is that journey to build from starting from nothing, you know, being a technician in my business to growing a multi-million dollar company and how can you do it, right? So it starts out in, in really coming up with your business plan, your vision and your mission. And that sounds very boring, but if it's stuck in your head, nobody can work with you on as your team. So I got to get it out of your head, get it on paper so that we can execute what it is that you want to do. And it's not a sequential book, although it's very sequential because I have an amazing editor, but it's written from an entrepreneur standpoint that um, if you have a challenge with finances, I want you to jump straight to chapter eight, math is money, money is fun and implement that. If you suck at sales, go straight to chapter six and go into the sales. I give you my hundred thousand dollar script, right? So 
I want you, it, you don't have to read it chapter one, chapter two. What's the pain in your business right now? And jump to that chapter. So each chapter is whole and complete. Each chapter I have an assessment so you can see how well or not well are you doing. So you can rate yourself to go, oh, this is the area that I need to improve upon. Because I think a lot of times in business, nobody really tells us what's everything I need to know in this division, mm -hmm. right? So I know I need to do sales, but what is all that, right? I know I got to get on the phone with clients, but then what, right? What's the process? What's the strategy? What's the process? What's the strategy? So I just reverse engineered everything I did from starting a company, building a company, selling a company. So the idea of a business is build it so you can sell it. That's the idea of business. Yeah. And you're supposed to make more as an entrepreneur than you would at a job, right? It's supposed to provide. <laughs> you're supposed to. Yeah, supposed right. To give us freedom or financial relief. It's supposed to give us profit. So how do you do that from the beginning so that you can have that? Mm, that's amazing. Okay. So you don't want to give away every, everything, but can you give some tips to our audience of how to earn more profit with less staff? Yeah, so uh, let's let's use a real example. So, what's your example? What what what's the biggest pain point in your business right now? I would say scaling it. Scaling it. Yeah, because so, I'm mainly doing um, one on ones. Mm, perfect. So that's a big transition for a lot of um, experts, right? We do one on one, which is great because you can charge the highest dollar for that. Mm -hmm. For you, I would say now let's let's do a group coaching. Because the reality is we say the same thing over and over and over again, right? If you look at it, it might be uh, given a little bit different, but the foundation is the same. The more access to you, the more intimacy with you, the higher the price point. So if, we, if you could create it systemically and go here's call one, call two, call three, call four um, in a process, then it becomes duplicatable. And so not only then can you teach it that way, but we can bring somebody else to be under your tutelage and teach as well. Mm -hmm. The biggest challenge that I see that most of us as solopreneurs have is we're not charging right, right? We're charging based on who you were five years ago. We're charging based on what the market will bear, which is important, but your overhead has changed. The market has changed. So really getting clear on your pricing formula, which we go over in chapter eight, I give you a systemic way to figure out what does my base price have to be like, no kidding in order for me to be profitable because profits planned for profits is not what's left over because we all know there's nothing left over right we have a tendency to spend it all so when i look at that really create the formula to go oh i have to charge let's say two thousand dollars or i lose money so when you know what that number is there's no more give feeling guilty giving the hookup discounting your prices because you'll go out of business most people don't know they're going out of business very slowly because they have cash flow. Cash flow can be deceiving, right? To go, oh, I need to charge X amount of dollars in order for this business to work. 80% of small businesses are making less than $100,000 a year. That's gross, right? 2.5% are doing about a half a million and 1.7 are doing a million. Out of the people that are doing a million, this is a scary statistic, 80% of those people aren't paying themselves a proper paycheck. Mm. we're still the last to be paid which is like that doesn't make any sense if i'm still the last to be paid and i'm generating all this productivity i want to be paid the most 
Yeah. When you know what that base price is, and that's in chapter eight, right? Chapter eight is worth the whole tuition of the book, right? The whole price of the book, because it just gives you the it that you need to make the logical decision. So you don't let our emotions, because we all do what we do because we love it. We're good at it. It's our calling. And sometimes that's hard to charge people for your calling, right? Because we feel guilty, like, oh, this is just my gift. Okay, but I got to, your gift is to your family is providing for them. Your gift to yourself is providing for yourself. Mm. So it blends both worlds uh, very eloquently. That's an amazing shift that you just said. You know, <laughs> your gift is providing for yourself and your family. Yes. Oh, well, so inspiring. I had to learn it myself, right? <laughs> yeah. I think so, that's my transparency is please don't do what I did. Let me let me shave 10 years off. Your oh. I'm going to tell you my mistakes. I'm going to tell you how I failed. I'm going to tell you how we succeeded. But you're going to learn more from the failure you know, of going, don't do that, do this. Don't do that, do this, right? And then we'll we'll discover other ways that we can support you in growing your business. Yeah, you're keeping it real. Yeah. So how can we uncover hidden opportunities to help our business thrive? Look, there is money all around you. So if you're listening to this, I need you to write that down. There's money all yes, around you. Yes, you feel it? feel it so one is we're not listening for the opportunity like mm -hmm. my my great the example the story i gave you where i told people no because i was afraid that was money all around me how much money Teresa, did i leave on the table because i was scared right because i didn't follow up someone gave me their card i didn't follow up i was scared mm -hmm. right that was money all around me i'm gonna say it was hundreds of thousands of dollars i, I was gonna say two hundred and fifty thousand. you know <laughs> to estimate easy. easy just because i was scared yeah. Right. So I want you to look at business partners. I want you to look at affiliates, right? Affiliates are your fastest way to cash. The affiliates are who are those partners that have the like-minded student in my community that we don't compete with each other. We complement with each other. And so when I look at when I launched this brand, right, my one affiliate, I paid her close to a quarter of a million dollars in rev shares that she didn't have to do anything for. That was just a love check for her introducing me to her community. So again, there's, you know, affiliates, affiliate partners are fast way, right? To really, and, and then what is your follow-up system? The average person, entrepreneur will follow up one time, one time. Well, you know, from your own experience, we're busy. I might not have checked that email. I'm busy being busy, being busy. You've got to follow up at least 10 times, right? For, for the moon and the stars and the sun to align mm -hmm. <laughs> for that person and for you. So how much money did we leave on the table because we just didn't follow up? Or, or you can look on your desk right now. People have stacks of business cards. That's money. Yeah. You look at whatever your average contract is, your average services, and just start counting because that's money, right? People gave us those cards. And I'm not saying I didn't do this in the past. I have, right? I've, I've had that in the past where I would just look at them and go, oh, I don't even have time to put in my database. Okay, well, that's a ding dong move, right? How much, again, hundreds of thousands of dollars is sitting there. So I think between your pricing, your affiliates and the cards that are sitting on your table, what is that follow-up sequence that you can put in place so that you can get the results that you want? Mm. It doesn't have to be hard. It has to be strategic. Yeah, that's great advice. And I know also sometimes I'm thinking about someone and I'm like, someone emailed me, but who was that? Like, I want people to follow up with me actually <laughs> so that right. I can remember them, you know, for things that I need as well. Right. And then that I, that's another one is you think about them and then they show up. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of clients, right? When you just think about that client, and then all of a sudden they're in your inbox, right? 
that I would say that's the cosmic boo, the universe, God saying, <laughs> yeah, when God winks, yeah. synchronicity, yeah, here they are again, follow up, there's a reason that they're put in your mind space, and not that I want that to be your sales process, but I don't want you to ignore that sales process, right? and then yeah, when you're scared, and you don't want to follow up just because you're scared, the only way we're going to get better at it is to do it, I hated sales, hated it, girl, I would, Oh my God, in the beginning, I would literally get myself so worked up to call someone and then I would have to take a nap because I just wore myself out. Being <laughs> I love that story. I need to take a nap because then I have to lay down. I'm like, I'm getting one call done a day because I got myself so wound up that I just had to keep, okay, I'm going to do five today. If I do five today, then I went to 10, right? <laughs> to go, whoo, it's, mm. it's a discipline if it's not natural for you. Yeah. And so my, my natural is I'm a creative very creative. I can create money. I can create ideas. I can create product. Systemic was not natural for me. Mm -hmm. Like doing things consistent, not natural for me. I'm like A, B, C, elephant, Q, zebra. <laughs> That's totally me too. <laughs> but tell me about your car accident and what realization you had about your work in the world. Well, I've had 10. <laughs> 10 must be my number, right? Wow. So the last one, I had to have neck surgery and back surgery. Um, and that one was, you know, it's funny because I've done a lot of healing around and a lot of work around it. When you get in an accident, so when you're, when you get hit from the front, there's fear of your future. When you get hit in the back, it's fear of your past. Wow. So, where did you learn this from? This is uh, incredible. Right. So from, <gasps> from therapists, from spiritual. Oh, spiritual. Yeah. Okay energy healer. Wow. So I was sandwiched front and back. Oh, front and back. And so, you know, I always say the universe will slow you down, speed you up. So to me, that was the cosmic boot. The universe made me stop mm -hmm. and stop my world. I couldn't work. Literally my chiropractor, I couldn't drive, would have to come get me and take me into therapy and bring me home. I, I didn't have family support. What I didn't tell you is my family disowned me because I had two children that were not of my race. And so <gasps> my family disowned me. Oh, yeah, and that so, must have been devastating at the time. Oh, it was just awful. Like, yeah. you know, now I'm at peace with it. And, yeah. and um, you know, and that's hard because the man you love, the man you choose, your your family doesn't accept you. They, mm -hmm. didn't, and they didn't accept me. And at that time, I was—I had already been going through a divorce, and my ex-husband was not very kind. It was not a nice divorce. It was a tumultuous divorce, so I didn't have his help. Mm -hmm. right? So I really didn't have help with the kids. I, I was, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, spending as much as I was making. I didn't have the financial acumen. I think that was a lesson, is to go, you are not, you're making great money, and you're spending it all. And so the reality of, I didn't have um, disability insurance. I didn't have anyone to help me. I didn't have a lot of savings in the bank. I had to go to work. So literally, I'd go to work. I'd sit on a cutting chair. I'd have to lift my leg up because I broke my leg, cut hair all day, scoot around on my cutting chair, then go home and take care of my children, and then try to get treatment. Like, it was awful. When wow. I think it was the, I'm a tough nut. <laughs> when I got married to my kid's dad, my grandma pulled my... <laughs> would be husband aside and said, I don't know why you're marrying her. She don't listen. <laughs> oh my God. 
Stop, <laughs> grandma. Tough nut, right? To, you know, which now I'm not as, I'm not as tough. I'm way more coachable now <laughs> to coach oh. what I need to learn. But mm. I think it taught me to one, really build my wealth, not just have money. Like that's when I started getting into the wealth conversation of I make great money, but I'm spending, you know, all this money. Mm -hmm. like things that would disappear things that you'd get a credit card statement you don't know what's on it like wh what was that for right so to, it, it made me shift to go if i'm going to be an entrepreneur i have to have this security because there isn't anybody but me mm -hmm. and i need to provide for my children and my family and so from that day forth no longer i i got really disciplined it was hard because it was not in my nature i had to learn how to do it i had to be really disciplined Right. And setting my business up so I could take time off. Right. I could take care of my health and well-being like that was a sucker punch that I couldn't take time off, you know, at that time. And so um, it's it, is, it was a wake up call. A wake up call for me, a wake up call for my, you know, financial stability. And then the last one that I was in, I, so the one I was talking about where I had to work, cut hair. Right, that was a pretty a serious one. The last one that I had, which was in 2000, 1999, um, I had set up, you know, that had been, you know, almost 10 years. I had set up the financial support. I had set up the systems. I had set up my team. So I could take a year off and still get a paycheck and my business still grew. So I don't know if that was God's way of saying, look, you learned. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is I'm done with car accidents. I've learned that. I'm embracing that. I don't need to go through another one to learn that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to have to go back and listen to this and, and hear what you said, like when you get rear-ended, what it means. And when you get hit in the front and then like both together, <laughs> does it cancel right, each other out? Future, one's your past and you're afraid of the future, afraid of the past. And it's like, yeah. Wow. That's so deep. So what is Zen success to you? Well, I think people are trying to look for balance and I think balance is a delusion, not even an illusion. It's a delusion. Right? <laughs> I I'm, love that. When I'm succeeding at one thing, something else is falling. Right. And so I think for me, Zen success is being okay with, I'm putting 10 units of energy here to build this thing, whether it's, you know, back then, if you look at your finances, right. Or I need to learn how to take care of my well-being and my health, right? When you're doing so focused on one thing, something is going to drop and to be okay with it because it's not forever, right? It's for this moment in time. So for me, the Zen is about understanding it, owning it and giving myself grace to mm. go, I can't be superwoman at everything. Like we grew up in this era and tell me if you remember this commercial, I can bring home the bacon. Da -da 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 -da. Yep. I right. do. I remember hearing. <laughs> so our generation grew up that we had to do it everything. Be the superwoman, be an amazing wife, be an amazing lover, be an amazing mom, be a worker person. And that's just not fair to go there. There has to be balance. There has to be help. And it's it's never balance balanced. Right. It's there's always an acceptance I have to have for what I can do and acceptance for what I what I can't do and be OK with what I can't do in this moment. Doesn't mean I can't ever, ever. It's right now I'm putting my energy here, whether it's building a business, being a mom, manage your health and well-being, right? What is that thing that you need to focus on? So for me, yeah. that's what Zen success means. 
Yeah, that's amazing. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and learning about your book and connecting deeper. And I'll put your website and how to buy your book in the show notes. Any last words for our audience? Yeah, I want to say come play, come check us out, come see if you know we're the right community for you. We have an amazing community of entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, healers, doctors, physicians, uh, landscape designers. Like we have a plethora of entrepreneurs who are committed to creating this holistic success, right? And having Zen success. So come check us out. You know, you can find me on social media by my name, Susie Carter, C-A-R-D as in dollar and dinero, E-R. <laughs> All social media platform as well as our website. So my goal is let me help you be the best version of you. Amazing. Yes, everyone, please reach out and at least join her mailing list and her social media. Thanks so much, Susie. Thank you. I appreciate who you are in the world and what you're up to and what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I was so nervous to talk with you and now I'm not. (laughs) That's the goal, right? It's girlfriend. Like we're business owners. We're going through the same challenges, highs, lows, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Zen Success. I would love to get your feedback at zensuccesspodcast.com on what topics you'd be most interested in and what Zen Success is to you. Thanks for listening.